Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Across the Romaverse. Steve and Jimmy here with you. Episode 165, and we're back for another Roma victory. The Giallarossi, just uh, just about 24 hours ago, uh, victorious in Frosinone, the regional derby against uh, the, the side from Lazio, managed by the old manager, Eusebio Di, Di Francesco. Roma gets the best of them in the end. Hard-fought match for... for Quite a while, Jim, but uh, another win for De Rossi. Four in five league matches, plus the draw against Feyenoord, which we'll get to a little bit later when we talk about the return leg. So, uh, all in all, things doing going pretty well so far for De Rossi. Another win. Yeah, another great win. Uh, I would definitely say that, especially when you consider that pretty much nobody is beating Inter right now, that this is about as well as you would expect Roma to be doing under De Rossi to start off his reign as manager. Uh, you know, that Feyenoord draw... Considering that Roma gets to play at home for that second leg, which I'm sure we'll be discussing that game on the 22nd, uh, it does put Roma in a good spot and probably among the better spots that they could be in to start off this first month or so of De Rossi's reign. Uh, looking at you know how that match played out against Frosinone, I, I think that the first thing that we got to talk about is the strong performance of Niels Villar. Um, yeah. He's been, you know... Writing the preview for that match, I was pretty skeptical of his ability to be, you know, anything other than a stopgap for Roma going forward in goal, because obviously it seems like the wheels have fallen off Rui Patricio in a permanent fashion, but Roma doesn't really have any other option beyond Svilar. 
So to see him perform well, granted against a side that's struggling to stay out of the relegation zone, but still against a top flight side, that's pretty impressive in my book. Uh, and do I think that Roma's going to go hunting for another goalkeeper this summer? Uh, I 100% think so. There's a reason why, you know, names from Vladimiro Falcone to Marco Carnesecchi are all linked to the club. It's because I think priority number one this summer is most likely going to be a long-term solution at goalkeeper. However, it's going to make life a lot easier for Daniela De Rossi for the rest of the season if he can trust a player like Svilar to be, you know, at least a you know average goalkeeper uh, in Serie A and the Europa League. Because as we've seen, honestly, for the past year and a half with Rui Patricio, there's a limit to how far you can go if your goalkeeper isn't up to snuff. And do I think that Zvilar is going to win us matches? No, but I also think that he looks like he'll be able to create scenarios where other players will be able to win matches for Roma thanks to his solid goalkeeping. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, De Rossi's words, and I'll, I'll read those out in, in a minute, um, post-match, he was, he was asked about goalkeeper, and it seems like Zvilar is going to be the guy that gets the looks, at least in the foreseeable future, next couple of matches at least. Um, but he made that one really big save in the first half. I, I don't remember if it was on Kyle George or somebody else, but he made the one diving save that w- I don't think, and, and Matteo Benetti on the call here in the U.S., was pretty adamant that if, if Rui Patricio was in goal, it's one nothing frozen on that, that nice curling effort. Um, and then he also stood tall. That was definitely on Kyle George when he had three chances at goal. Um Initial one was saved by Svilar. The, the second one was blocked by was Mancini or somebody. And then the third one, he just put wide on, on an open goal. So Roma dodged some bolts in the first half. But Svilar, you're right. I think, um, you know, Roma's going to be in the market for a keeper. Um, it's Whether it's a starter because Svilar doesn't perform well enough the rest of the year or his backup or his competition for a starting spot, uh, there will be a second goalkeeper because Rui Patricio is not going to be back next year. I mean, I, I think... Uh, it's in everybody's best interest, his and Roma's included, for him to move on, um, whether that's to go back to Portugal or, or go elsewhere or, or maybe just hang him up altogether. That'll be up to him. But I don't see any scenario where he's back next year um, unless it was like on a really cheap like reserve deal where he's backing up Svilar because Vilar has been so good. That's the only scenario I could see, and I, I doubt that that's going to be the role he wants to finish out his career. <clears throat> I guess similar to like we saw guys like De Sanctis do in Rome. But um, – De Rossi was asked post-match, do, do Roma have a new first-choice goalkeeper? And he said, we have two exceptional goalkeepers since day one. I've wanted to be clear about who starts and who's number two. At first, it was Rui. Now, he's now given how he's been playing, I think it's only right to give, give Milai a chance. Uh, he's young and an asset to the club. We really trust him. We always will. Even if one day, fingers crossed, this doesn't happen, he doesn't perform as well. You can't make these kinds of saves in every single match. So that, to me, says Milai's VLR, which he started on Thursday against Feyenoord. He'll be starting again this Thursday against Feyenoord and, and barring some disaster. I, I think he starts again against Torino on Monday and probably can get himself a run of matches if he continues to perform the way he performed uh, yesterday. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I applaud Dorothy for saying that there needs to be at least some form of consistency going on at goalkeeper. I think that that is sometimes underrated by uh, Romanisti. Uh, this idea that, oh, if the goalkeeper has a poor match, then you just swap in the second choice and see what happens. I don't, that's not really how goalkeeping is work, works. It's kind of similar to a uh, closer position almost in baseball is the best comparison I would make. It's that 
you know, this is a guy who needs to have the right mentality to be able to succeed. And thinking that he might lose his spot because of one poor match is not how you develop that strong mentality. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on Svilar's long-term potential here? Do you think that he's going to be a potential solution here for Roma goalkeeper in like a medium-term sense? Or do you do you agree I, with I, me that he, he'll be heading heading to either be a backup again or, you know, Rome, or long story short, Roma will look for another goalkeeper this summer? I, I do. I do think he's got the potential, right? I mean, he's still young. He's shown flashes of potential. I don't think there's any reason why he can't. Um, can't be if he performs well. I'm not saying he definitely will be. Maybe the club looks elsewhere, but I, I do think the potential's there. I mean, from what I've seen, and you can, you know, say the same. I think we need to see more, but yeah, he was brought in for a reason. Uh, I would, and, yeah, I would 100% agree that we need to see more. Um, you know, I always forget that 24 is actually still pretty young for a goalkeeper. Um, it definitely seems like, with some exceptions, goalkeepers usually find their actual peak ability later than, you know, attackers, midfielders, defenders at the top flight. You often see players who are goalkeepers who just kind of really get to the top of the scene in their mid-20s, as opposed to, you know, we will talk about Housen later, but, you know, players like Dean Housen or Eduardo Bove or Tommaso Baldanzi are breaking into first-team sides a lot sooner uh so i will i will you know i'm cautiously intrigued by what i saw by from svilar against frozinone i think it'll be interesting to see how well he plays against bigger sides because even though he's been roma's europa league goalkeeper this season effectively he's been the cup goalkeeper it's not like roma's really played that many challenging sides in the europa league just yet and Frosinone is not exactly the most challenging side in Serie A either. So am I impressed by the fact that he pre- prevented 1.3 goals? Yeah, that's that's impressive. Am I impressed that he had seven saves? Yeah, that, that's good. Um, but looking ahead to the rest of Roma's schedule, I mean, again, this is a kind of convenient for Daniele De Rossi that barring that intergame, Roma's strength of schedule for these first few weeks of De Rossi's tenure, and then the next couple weeks, it's not that much of a challenge. Uh, just looking at who Roma's had to play. Next, they've got Torino, Monza, who were able to beat Milan in extra time this weekend, so that's impressive. But still, you know, Monza is not exactly, like, lighting the league on fire for most matches. They're, they're 11th for a reason. Um, so they've got Torino, Monza, Fiorentina, Sassuolo, Lecce. The next truly challenging match that I would say Roma has that's April 7th against Lazio. That's another derby. Uh, so thinking about how we'll be able to see whether or not Svilar is, you know, the real deal and like someone that we should be trusting going forward. Honestly, I, I almost might have to wait until that April derby to be able to get a positive sense of whether Ro- he could be Roma's goalkeeper going forward. On the flip side, if he starts kind of, you know, crapping the bed against smaller sides, then that's kind of when I might start thinking, hmm, we probably really do need to get another goalkeeper in here this summer. Yeah, I, I do think you have to give him probably the most of the rest of the season to get a true read on him and his potential. I mean, he's young. He could make some mistakes here and there. But the the big thing you're going to want to see is, if, is he growing into the position, right? Is he growing enough that Roma can trust him next year and bring in an affordable second goalkeeper or competition for him rather than having 
to splash a little more cash on someone more established already. Um, that we will see. But like you said, prevented 1.37 goals according to Sofa score yesterday. It was big, seven saves. Um, match rating of 9.3 based on how they do their match rate player ratings, which is which is very good. Um, four cl- high claims, two saves from inside the box. You know, so he he did a lot for Roma yesterday against not the greatest competition on paper, but it was a side that was coming down Roma's throat for quite a bit of the first half. Um, really, they were Roma's fortunate to be up at the half, and it was uh, XG at the half was 1.19 for Frosinone, just 0.14 for Roma. Um, Frosinone had 18 first half shots. Only four on target, but that's 18 shots that they 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 had the ball enough to 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 unfurl shots 18 times. Second half complete change. Um, you know, Roma's XG was was much bigger, 1.66 to the 0.27 for Frozenone in the second half. Health Frozenone is seven shots, just three on target, but that's still that's still seven shots on target from a provincial side. Um, that gave Roma a really, you know, hard time. They they were definitely not an easy, you know, walkover type of match for Roma. Um, you know frustrating as Brent called them in the, in the post-match uh, article. And if it wasn't for a little magic from Dean Housen in the first half, Roma goes in at best zero, zero. Um, but that, that was some goal, Jim. I mean, he dribbled it up from about the, the halfway line and, and unfurled a shot after beating a man on the dribble from uh, just outside the box. And, and it was a, it was a lovely shot from the 18 year old center back. I mean, we can see why Roma, like he came in as an, relatively unknown player. Like I'd never heard of him before, you know, maybe if some people were following Ube's youth setup and, and they're, you know, they're, they're U23 they've got over instead of cheat. Maybe you would have known the name, but I mean, this kid is good. Not only can he defend well, he's now scoring goals for Roma. And that was like the kind of play you see a central midfielder make from that position, not a central defender and an 18 year old one at that. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I wouldn't have expected, you know, well, expected is a strong word. I would love to see that from a Tommaso Baldanzi, for example, but I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have expected it from a teenage defender. That was a goal that, you know, I think it's probably one of the most impressive goals that I've seen all season from a Roma player, just in terms of how far out it came from. But also, he basically just marauded down the pitch by himself for an extended period of time, up until he scored that goal. And yeah. it was placed really well. It was just, honestly, one of the best goals that I've seen from Roma this season. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you know, you shouldn't necessarily be judging a defender based off of their goal scoring ability, even if the goals are coming in hot. Other than that, though, I will say that I was mildly skeptical of Housen when he joined the side. I was like, why are we taking this guy on a dry loan? Mm-hmm. Why, like, if we've got an 18, why are we bringing in an 18 year old defender on a dry loan if we've got Primavera players we could punch in that we already have, you know, on contract? at the club and the answer has clearly became evident which is that Housen fits in a top flight rotation in the defense um that it it's just incredibly evident even when he doesn't have stronger defensive days like i would argue that all things considered he didn't have the strongest defensive day against frosinone but he very confidently asserted himself as belonging on the pitch from day one uh for Roma since he's joined. And that's really impressive. Uh, there are a lot of rumors about what his purported price tag might be uh, this summer. It's kind of funny. I think that, you know, every time he scores or have, has a good performance, the papers are probably going to just double his, his purported price tag. 
So maybe yeah. we should take all of that with a grain of salt. But I still. mean, it's great clickbait for the papers, right? Every exactly. Time something it's happens it's that easy like, for, oh, this, for them to sell it to Romanisti yeah, being yeah. like, hey, 30 million now. And then if he scores again, it'll be 45. And if he scores again, it'll be 60. Yeah. And I don't necessarily buy that. I do think that there's a reason why Housen was not playing at Juventus. And I don't know if that would necessarily change next summer. Like I don't, I don't see them selling enough defenders that he suddenly becomes a consistent part of their center back rotation. Uh, and given that I wouldn't necessarily be too surprised if Roma tried to just extend the loan for another season. That seems to me like something that Roma might try to do, maybe a loan extension with an option as opposed to just an outright purchase. I think that probably makes the most sense for all involved. Uh, I got to say, he's been really impressive. Uh, he, yeah. Like Outside of this match where I thought he like, did so-so as a defender, but excellent on the offensive side, obviously, he's looked great as a defender every other time that he's played. Uh, and not to beat a dead horse because we've made this comparison already, but in terms of just being basically seemingly born for top-flight football from the moment you step on the pitch, the only real comparison I can make in recent history to a player that young being that impressive for Roma is Marquinhos. Like, I think that that is, that is the comp that you can make um, in terms of being, being ready for top flight football so quickly, so young. And basically from the moment you join the side. Um, yeah. I, there's not too much more I can say about him other than I'm hoping that he'll be able to stay in a Roma kit for an extended period of time, especially with, you know, I mean, Chris Smalling came back to the pitch against Frosinone. But even if he came back at 100%, Smalling has been off not playing for five months, and he's on the wrong side of 30 for, an, for something like that. And so I don't necessarily have great belief in his longevity. Mm -hmm. So people who are saying, oh, well, why would we need, why would we need Housen if we've got Smalling, we've got Ndika, we've got Mancini, we're probably going to sign Diego Lorente. Like, if we've... Like, I, I don't think we really have Smalling that much going forward. So I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe in the long term, we can see Housen really become a part of Roma's rotation. Uh, of course, if the finances all work out. Yeah, Roma's played a, a dangerous game, uh, a tricky game with Juve, if they're going to try to get him outright from Juve, whether it's this summer or, like you said, alone with an option. Like, if it's a loan with an option, you got to have a, a set in stone price. Like, I don't think another dry loan does you any good to try to then sign him uh, in 2025 because if he continues on this trajectory, he's definitely going to be worth um, a pretty penny based on the, the, the trajectory he's going on. Yeah, you mentioned he's got that Marquinhos vibe to him as a young player who really didn't have any big top flight experience before he came over. You know, I think it was countryman Matias Delict with, with Juve, but he played at Ajax a little bit before he came to Juve and was, was a few years older when he got to Juve. Um, but he he looks like one of those center backs that just has it, right? He has what it takes to be a top flight center back. Um, the, the way Marquinhos has has performed at PSG for so long. Um, I think of like a Tiago Silva at Milan, and then he had a long career around Europe. So he's got that like feel to him. And I mean, he we're we're lucky to have him at least for these next few months of the season because he's gonna play a big part, I think, in Roma's push for the top four, maybe in the Europa League. Well, he can't play play part in the Europa League, excuse me, because uh, he's not on the European list. I don't know if Roma's uh, regretting that at all, but we'll see. Um, Didn't they but, switch that? I thought they added him to the. Oh no, they added Baldanzi to it. Yeah, actually. they added Baldanzi. So um, he, when he did score though, which was right before halftime, he did get booked for a celebration. 
Um, something, you know, you expect a young player to do and maybe gets a little blood rush to the head after scoring such a lovely goal. Um, and he ended up getting subbed off at halftime by, by De Rossi because of that yellow card and being 18 years old and De Rossi now wanting to mess around with the center back on the pitch, 18 years old for 45 minutes in a match that his team is really getting outplayed. Um, and, and then he was asked, what did you say to Hoysen when, or Housen when you subbed him off at the break? And he said, I didn't really understand what he got booked for, whether it was the gesture he did with his ears or his finger, or if he'd argued with someone. I don't think it's anything serious. It's just silliness. He's a young lad and he'll learn. He's my daughter's age, born in 2005. I did silly things on the pitch. I'm not going to lecture him too much. What I can tell him is that it cost him 45 minutes in Serie A and it cost us one of our subs. It's not a huge deal, but you learn and grow from these things. He won't do it again. Um, I think great leadership there from Derossi. No surprise, knowing Derossi as a player and now as a manager. I, I think that's a great place to teach a young player a lesson. Like you could cost the, the squad in a situation like this. Like if you'd been booked for a tackle earlier and you do something like that, there you are off the pitch. Um, so instead, he, here you he could have a seat for the last 45. You can watch Diego Lorente come in and, and take your spot, and and you're gonna you're not gonna do this again. Um, also interesting in that sequence, I saw some videos on Twitter this morning of Mancini going right up to house and when he when he got that you know booking in and really got the frozenone tifosi irate was uh he basically told him like what what are you doing like there's no need for that basically we're getting outplayed as it is like there's no need to rub it in um and then at the in the same moment pushes away the frozenone players who are coming to attract uh, attack house and so great show of leadership i think also for mancini de rossi you know his his quotes have been spot on so far as it's his time and manager um just i i think the leadership that Mancini developed under Mourinho is still so evident. Him and Pellegrini yeah. and Cristante are, are still the senatori in this locker room. Um, and there was even a point where Mancini went over to De Rossi to calm him down, which did you ever think that Mancini would be going over to anybody to calm them down when they're like hot over a, a mistake or something like kind of, kind of ironic in some ways, but I, I it's a great thing to see that he's really, you know, he still can be a hothead at times, but his yellow cards are down from last season or two seasons ago. He's improved as a center back and the leadership role is just so important. Like, especially in matches like yesterday where Pellegrini's on the sidelines to try to give him some rest. And, and Mancini's the guy who's, who's stepping up in that role as, as he's been doing for two and a half seasons now. Yeah. I, I definitely would not have imagined Gianluca Mancini calming down anybody Though I guess Daniela De Rossi might be somebody mm -hmm. that would fit the bill for that. Um, <laughs> given given that, I do think that it's valuable. I have to imagine it's invaluable for a player like Halson to have defenders like Mancini and Ndika that once he's back from you know his recover post Afcon recovery and Chris even Chris Smalling who hasn't been necessarily playing but obviously has boatloads of experience playing for some of the biggest clubs in the world. Having those players around you when you're at age 18, having this first experience in top flight football, I have to imagine that will help him in the long run. I do agree that Mancini was right to calm him down. Do I, I do question, along with Dorossi, I question whether or not that yellow card was necessary. But at the same time, uh, it obviously didn't cause too much of a problem in the long term. Uh, I do think that there were reports that DeRossi had a pretty fiery time uh, chat with the, with the team because he was unimpressed with how they'd been playing to start off this match, which outside of the house and goal, I would agree, well, the, they were not playing particularly well. And I think it's a strong indicator for the future 
that Roma can be up 1-0 against the side that they should be beating, the manager can come in and say, you need to play better, and then they do play better. That doesn't always happen with Roma sides. They often play down to their competition. And what we saw yesterday was a side who were willing to play this match until the match was over in a confident manner. And that was true of the players who started off the match, and that was true of the players who subbed in. Um, Tommaso Baldanzi got his first start uh, for the club yesterday, and although he didn't score or anything, I do think that by the bar of, you know, showing that you belong, I think he had succeeded in showing that he belonged in the starting 11 for Roma, which is a great first step for a player. Beyond that, I'll also note that he did get the uh, penalty that resulted in the third goal for Roma that Paredes converted. Um, he was the one who, you know, got the handball to happen in the box, uh, leading to Paredes getting that opportunity to make the game 3-0. So that's not technically an assist, but at the same time, setting up a setting up a, a penalty like that is, is a skill. Uh, so I will say that I was pretty impressed with the side overall uh, against Frosinone, and heading into that second match where they're hosting Feyenoord at the Olympico, it gives me some confidence that these players will be able to seal the deal and uh, get this job done and move on to, I believe it'll be the, the round of 16, round uh, 16 after this yeah. playoff. Yeah. So it's the round of 16 after this playoff. And I, I think they'll be able to seal the deal against Feyenoord. Yeah. So just to put a bow on this one before we move on to Feyenoord, a couple of Rossi quotes about the first, you know, the first half you mentioned, uh, the, the reported fiery team talk. Um, he was asked how important was this win after, win after struggling in the first half. He said it's very important. Uh, it's great to win a match that started in that way. We're here to get results. The first half was horrible. I didn't like it. I was worked up. Then I saw that house hoisting got booked, and I was even more worked up because it was too big a risk having an 18-year-old on a yellow card playing in a stadium that was booing him. I didn't want to take that risk, and that meant I had to use up one of our subs. Beyond the booking, I really didn't like the first half. Since I've been here, we've never struggled as much as we did tonight. I'm talking from a gameplay perspective. Prozanone were superb. I know their coach, and he's excellent. He gets his teams playing well, but we can't get eaten alive as we did in the first half. That's what annoyed me most. Um, and he continued later with another quote um, when a journalist asked him, you know, that he agreed that the first half was tricky. Then after the, you know, the break, your ideas materialized and your team changed substantially. Uh, and the journalist uh, threw in there that it's been two years since Roma had bagged two consecutive away wins, uh, which is, wow, crazy stat to me. Um when your team started playing their game with lots of men between the lines, their wingers coming in, your wingers coming inside, as moon in that new position, you took control of the match. You have clear ideas when you've got the ball between your feet, but in the first half, we were just watching Frozenone. And De Rossi said, very true, but I created a bit of that mess in the first half by changing the team and more than anything by changing the players behind our striker. Up until today, we'd done well with the Metzala and a ball playing Tre Cortista behind the striker. Today, I played Asmoon, who was more of an attacking player. I think this is something that can work, having two bigger guys up top, but we've got to try it out. I only had a day to do it, and I got it wrong, but it's a learning curve. I really like the second half, but we've got to look at what went well and what didn't go so well. The second half is what I like about this team, and I think we can replicate that for the whole 90 minutes in every game, especially against teams like Frozenone, who aren't on the same level as us. I mean, I, I just love, from De Rossi's perspective there, the reflection, the open, honest reflection of admitting he tried something new, he made a mistake, he had to correct it at halftime, and he you know, back to team said, we can do this for 90 minutes a match. Um, and and we, that's what we should be doing against Frozenone. It's my fault that we didn't play well in the first half. I set the team up poorly. 
Uh, it's something that maybe could work, but we got to work on it more than, than we did for me to actually implement it. And, you know, my bad kind of thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think that accountability on an individual level is really important for, you know, from the top down, in all honesty. We don't all, always see that from managers, and it was exciting to see a player who seems pretty, I mean, a manager, still think of Durosi as a player. What am I doing? Um, <laughs> Durosi, it's exciting to see him, you know, whether it's just that he's got incredibly good media training after decades of playing football or what have you, he seems very invested in accepting blame when he deserves it and pushing for accountability when it's important and steering away from the victim mentality that I think has often inhabited Roma, not just during the Mourinho era, but, you know, period. I think that that happens a lot with Roma sides that, you know, it becomes a why always me situation and a kind of a, the difference between the Northern clubs and the Southern clubs seems to get amplified and it's always the referee's fault. And I I felt fallen victim to that myself, but to see a manager own up to making mistakes and be willing to change tactics on a regular basis. I mean, I think that's actually a underrated part of Roma's under De Rossi so far. Uh, he has been shifting tactics on a pretty regular basis based off of who's available, who's injured, who, who's impressing in training. Um, players are slowly but surely being brought into the side. And when those players are available, sometimes the tactic shifts. And that's something that I think should be appreciated as well. Um, on the whole, I really, you know, the same comment that I have for Svilar is a similar comment that I have for De Rossi in the sense that he hasn't necessarily played too many challenging sides just yet. And the one side that they did play was practically a scheduled loss. No offense to the Roma players, but I was always expecting at the most a draw and most likely a loss against Inter. Uh, so given that, things have gone about as well as one would hope under De Rossi I think that we need to see them play against bigger sides on a more consistent basis before I decide whether or not uh, De Rossi is kind of the guy going forward. But Yeah, I agree. So definitely, I, I like the accountability. I like the way Roma came out the second half. I like the way De Rossi was able to change things up at halftime. So important to be able to, to manage in-game and realize the mistake you made and not stick with it for too long. This felt like one of those matches for some time where it was like, oh, you know, when we were getting close to halftime and it was still 0-0, like this might be the match where you don't want to have to play Dybala, but like he had to do so many times when Mourinho come and rescue us in the second half against a provincial side. Didn't have to happen. De Rossi now has 12 points out of 15 in his five matches as manager. Like you said, Inter was always going to be drop points in some way, shape, or form. It's very unlikely Rumble's gonna get all three points. Almost were able to hold to hold on for you know a point, but they, you know, we, we know how that match went last week. So overall, great start for De Rossi. Um, also a solid start last Thursday in the Europa League. And we'll talk about that as soon as we get back from this ad break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Jim. So let's 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 backtrack a little bit to Frozen. Um, not Frozen. Onion. We're going to move away from Frozen Onion to the other F. Feyenoord. Roma's pretty much their their newest rival over the last three seasons. It's become like a pretty intense rivalry. No traveling fans for these two Europa League fixtures after after the heated uh, exchanges the last couple of years. I didn't get to watch the whole match on a Thursday afternoon. I did get to see the first half on my lunch break, and then you know I of course missed Lukaku's goal live. I thought the first half that I saw, I thought Roma was pretty decent. And they gave up that goal late in the half. Um, pretty even first half in terms of possession and chances. XG was a little bit more favor of Feyenoord in the second half. was exactly even in terms of uh, XG, but Roma conceded much more possession in the second half. What did you make of the overall first leg away? I mean, getting a, getting a draw on the road is always a key in European competition when you're starting away. From that perspective, I think it was good. What did you make of the overall match play from Roma in that one? Yeah, I mean, I didn't find it to be overly intriguing football, in all honesty. Uh, I did think it was important that Romelu Lukaku scored his goal. Uh, you know, the Europa League is truly his competition. And beyond that, you know, he's been having some difficulty finding the net in Serie A, so it was good to see him score a goal. But, you know, you can just look at the stats and realize that this just wasn't that lovely of a match to watch. Um, you know, five shots on target for Roma through full, the full 90 compared to six for Feyenoord. Uh, 14 shots total, uh, about 50-50 possession. A decent number of fouls and yellow cards, about equal for both sides. I I just wasn't... This was the only match that I've seen so far under De Rossi where I was just kind of whelmed by how well it went. I wasn't underwhelmed or overwhelmed. I was just like, okay, that's fine. I think that a lot of it would have been different if uh, Fine North hadn't scored in stoppage time for the first half. I, I mean, that really does change the tenor of a match dramatically when that happens. Uh, but still, I, as much as that might have had an effect here, with Fine North missing as many players as they were missing, and with Roma just theoretically the better side, um, I was disappointed that Roma wasn't able to come out of this one with a win. I do think that a draw was like the bare minimum uh, for what I would have expected from Roma in this match. And as you said, it's important to be able to come into a match at the Olympico where, you know, Roma has the advantage. 
looking at the players who were, you know, on the pitch from minute one there, I thought Svilar again did a pretty solid job against Feyenoord. You know, obviously there was one goal that he let in, but I I still think that if you look at his stats, uh, he was pretty impressive. Um, he had five saves. Um, but like again, this was this is the match comparatively speaking uh, compared to the Frosinone match where it's like okay, so this Feyenoord is better than Frosinone, and Svilar didn't look as good as he did against Frosinone. So that's why I'm a little hesitant to be like, oh, he's the future. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I would say that the other players that impressed me the most were Lukaku, who obviously scored the goal. Um, Leandro Paredes looked great, um, in my opinion. I do think it's kind of interesting how much the midfield in general has been revitalized under um, under De Rossi, because it felt like the midfield was actually one of Roma's weakest areas um, in the tail end of the Mourinho era. Uh, now we're seeing kind of the resurgence of Lorenzo Pellegrini. We're seeing, you know, Eduardo Bove continue to impress. We're seeing, and we're seeing Leandro Paredes also look quite good. So I do find it interesting that the midfield seems to be revitalized. I was happy again to see, you know, Nikola Zalewski up top, uh, as opposed to in that left wing back position. Do I know how long that's going to last? No, but at the same time, Compar- comparatively speaking, it's obvious that Zalewski's got a bit of a shorter leash than Bove at this point um, in terms of these Primavera graduates who are trying to become, you know, consistent parts of the Roma starting 11. Uh, I don't know how much, I don't know how much longer Zalewski will be able to be a consistent starter or even at the club if he doesn't improve his form to kind of match Bove, uh, simply because I think Roma needs to have more out of its forwards than what Zalewski's been providing so far. Yeah. Um, but he was he was decent against Fine Nords, how I would describe it. Um, but yeah, my takeaway from the Fine Nord match was I'm glad it was a draw. Uh, I'm glad that Roma is able to come into the second leg with the promise of you know being able to move into this round of 16. But it made it very clear to me that as we've said repeatedly, the positions that Roma will be hunting for players for will be fullback, specifically right back, most of all and goalkeeper um, this summer. Because beyond that, there's a lot to like. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's a draw. There's only so much you can say beyond I was disappointed it wasn't a win and happy it wasn't a loss, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things, when it's, especially when it's a two-legged affair and you're on the road, like I said, getting a draw doesn't feel so bad. If you're home and you get the draw, then you feel a little worse about it because then you know you have to go on the road into a hostile environment and, and that team's going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. I think Roma can come into this feeling pretty good about themselves. I think the win against Frozenone is also big in that regard too, because it gives them that that belief that they can get goals. Um, yeah. They got three against Frozenone, which I think is big. Obviously, Feyenoord a better side than Frozenone, but it just keeps building that confidence in, in the style of play that Rossi wants to implement. And one thing I noticed in the first half that I did get to watch in almost its entirety was that Roma was more positive in a European match in terms of trying to create. Um, then we saw it under Jose Mourinho on the road. Under Jose Mourinho on the road, Roma's like locking down for the most part, trying yeah. to play almost for a 0-0, maybe hit on a counterattack somewhere kind of deal. They were definitely trying to create a little bit more in this match, which I think is a positive. Um, I think we'll see much of the same 11 on, on Thursday. I know Bove suspended for this one from what I read, which is why a lot of people were surprised he didn't play it all yesterday. Um, so you slide Cristante back in, who probably would have slotted it back in anyway, being uh, the veteran. And then I, I think you probably see El Shirai for Zalewski uh, in this one, or there's some kind of change in that position, I think. 
But other than that, I think it's gonna be most of the same for him with the Karsdorp, Mancini, Lorente. Maybe Angelino goes instead of Spinazzola kind of thing. But I, I think like the only questions for me are probably left back um, and the left uh, attacking player in, in the 4-3-3 uh, in terms of who starts this one. I, I don't think there's many other changes. Um, but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I'm, I will get to see this one. I'm, I'm off this week. So I get to watch a European match in its entirety. Probably the first time all season that these Thursday matches are tough uh, here on the East Coast of the U.S. sometimes. But I'm looking forward to it. I think Roma can get the job done. You know, De Rossi was asked in his presser, his last, the last question they asked was, how are you feeling for Thursday? It's your first European match to the Olympicos Roma coach. Um, and he said, I'm happy to be here and to experience all of these first. Today was emotional because of my first away match as coach with a full stand, um, with a full away stand, I should say. These things made me emotional when I was playing, but then it became normal. Now it's a whole new world that I'm discovering. These evenings make me feel good. They make me feel alive. I'll give my all as long as I can to turn them into successful evenings. Um, and we know that, you know, we, we know that Rossi's going to do everything he can to, to see success for Roma. And I mean, from, from a player like De Rossi's standpoint and now manager, like he, he didn't get the trophies that other players get the players of his stature, you know, uh, Totti got his one Scudetta before De Rossi broke through the ranks. Um, and then a couple of, you know, they won some Copa Italia and a Super Copa together. De Rossi never experienced anything, obviously the world's cup, but outside of that and being a, a an assistant coach with the Euro uh, team that won a couple of years ago for under Mancini, like his winning at Roma was limited to a couple of Copa Italias and a Super Copa. So, you know, him now as a manager, like obviously this year is not a Scudetto year. I mean, the, the, the goal is to finish top four, but like in terms of Europe, like he, he never got past, you know, a semifinals in the European competition. I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's going to be gunning for this just as much as, you know, as winning in, in, in the peninsula uh, in the domestic league, because, I just think from from a you know he's got to feel like as a player he never was able to lift those shorts. There's got to be something in him that's like not a regret for playing for Roma his whole career, but like that little like bit like never got over the hump against those Juve sides. Uh, you know the Inter sides early in his career um, came so close in the Champions League and and losing to Liverpool in the semifinals. Like there's got to be that little bit of him that now sees a chance at redemption. I think a little bit as a manager. It would be appropriate, not that I'm saying that this is De Rossi's path as a manager, but it would be appropriate if in the long term De Rossi was able to bring a lot of victories to Roma after having so frequently bumped up against the fact that he simply could not as a player throughout his storied career for the club. Like I don't I don't think it's really in doubt that he's a top five player for Roma all time, but yet, you know, because he played for Roma effectually, um, he was never really able to get the uh the trophies that such a quality player usually is able to get for his club. So it would be it would be kind of sweet and to a certain extent bittersweet if he was able to win a Europa League for Roma or you know a Scudetto for Roma in the long term as manager, something that he could never do as a player. Uh, in terms of Roma's ability to go deep into the uh, Europa League, Steve, what do, you, what do you think? Do you do you have confidence that Roma can do that? I personally think that Feyenoord, that's a match that I believe uh, Roma will be able to pull off on Thursday. Um, looking at a lot of the other potential opponents um, going, going ahead, um, it's not, you know, I feel like this is how we often feel about the Europa League for up until, you know, probably the semifinals, uh, that, there, that a lot of it is really just 
crazy. It's it's just about who you end up being paired with. Um, yeah, it's a lot of that. And yeah, I mean, it, it's all about that. So I I, I can't like my my expectations will be a lot a lot different if uh, Roma gets out of this fine Nord match and then gets paired against Liverpool, for example. Um, but but beyond some of those, I really do think that Roma has this the ability to go deep in this competition again. Um, and do I know if that'll be a trophy? No idea. Um, a lot of it after a certain point just does become kind of the luck of the draw uh, to see how far you're able to get into a competition. But I do have some faith that Roma will be able they will be able to at least play against sides consistently enough that there can be a deep run that they are able to make throughout this competition. Yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do with the draw, obviously, like you said, because you don't know who you're going to get. I'd be disappointed if they don't get past Feyenoord, especially knowing that they're going home with a 1-1 um, to their name. I, I think it's very, you know, much in their realm of possibility that they should win that head-to-head, uh, -head, right? Um, the draw is going to say a lot if they get through. Uh, the round of 16 draw will will tell us a lot. It, it takes place on this Friday. If they get through, we'll see who they they will draw by the next day. Um, and then it, then it kind of the path becomes a little clearer. Um, the seeded teams in the draw, like if Roma gets past Feyenoord, they, I don't think they can draw Atalanta because they're from the same confederation. But if you, you eliminate them, then you have Brighton, Leverkusen, Liverpool, Rangers, Slavia Prague, um, Villarreal, and West Ham. You can give me any of those sides except for Leverkusen and Liverpool, and I'd like Roma's chances pretty much. I, I, Brighton's been very underwhelming in England this year. West Ham's been up and down. The Real hasn't been great in Spain. Um, you know, Rangers is a, a side that Roma should beat. Um, Slavia Prague was in our group. I don't know if we could draw them or not, but you know, I I, I think Roma can beat them in a in a head to head. I don't like the way the you know the group stage went for Roma, but there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to beat them. Um, so if you eliminate Leverkusen and Liverpool fingers crossed, then I think Roma's got a pretty good chance of making the quarters, and then you see where you, you end up with the draw there, but um, yeah, they can't they can't face Atalanta. I'm reading that no side can face another team from the same national association. So, so you avoid Atalanta, you got one of those other seven if you get through, you know, I, I think a lot has to depend on the draw. If they get the right draw, if, if they draw any of those sides I mentioned that aren't Liverpool, uh, Liverpool and Leverkusen, I do like the chances at the quarterfinal. Not saying they're they're guaranteed a spot there because Brighton could turn it on or one of those teams could turn it on and, and Roma has a bad day. Um, but I, I think from what we've seen so far um, from De Rossi, he's not as out of his like element as a manager being so inexperienced as, you know, maybe people were afraid he would be. I think he can go head to head with a lot of these these teams and these managers and and keep his side in it and maybe find ways to get wins. I know that the four wins and in the league have been against bottom half of the table sides, a couple in the relegation zone, but wins are wins. Uh, Roma hadn't won back-to-back -back away matches for two years under Jose Mourinho. So, uh, and there's the, one of the most experienced managers in all of Europe. So that being said, obviously in a European situation, nobody's better than Jose Mourinho in, in navigating those knockout fixtures, which he was so expert at. Um, but that being said, if Roma stays healthy, like they've been so far to in the last few weeks, they're getting everybody back. I think there's plenty of bodies to navigate both the domestic competition and the European competition, which is something Jose Mourinho did not have the luxury of last year on the trip to the, the Europa League final. They had to really prioritize that uh, at the expense of the league. And, you know, he had his um, issues with the way the Juve situation was handled because he said, you know, he may, may have approached things differently if, if that was clear early on. Um, 
but I do think Roma has what it takes to to get to the quarterfinals and potentially further if they get the right draw. I, I think it all comes down to the draw because Liverpool and Leverkusen this year looked very, very strong in their respective domestic leagues. And I, I think they would give Roma um, all that they could handle. I'm not saying Roma can't beat them on their their night, but I think it would be very difficult for De Rossi to outgun Klopp um, at Anfield or you know, even Chabi Alonso, as young as he is, he's he's now much more experienced than De Rossi. It'd be a very, you know, Leverkusen hasn't lost in like 37 matches. I think it might have been when they lost to Roma, it have been their last loss in all competitions. They've gone like 37 matches unbeaten, including um, a win and a draw against Bayern this year. So that being said, I, I think those are the biggest stumbling blocks if Roma can get through um, Feyenoord. And, you know, maybe those two teams end up on the same side of the draw and Roma can avoid them to the final. Then things really set up well, right? Like that that's the... That's kind of the whole thing. It's all the draw. It's also who gets through from these playoff fixtures that Roma could run into a little bit later. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's so hard to say now. It, it becomes clearer once the draw is done. But if Roma gets through, you're looking at Milan probably getting through. They're up three, nothing on aggregate. One of Freiburger lens. Um, Sporting is in a pretty good position. Benfica is in a pretty good position. Um, Car Brog, uh, if you remember that from Champions League many years ago, actually up on yes. Braga. So they probably get through. Um, you know, Galatasaray is one of the sides that probably gets through. Then it's one of Marseille or Shakhtar. So all clubs, I think Roma can handle on their night. Um, but like you said, it's the, the way the draw ends up, who do they get next? If they get through, I know I'm kind of starting to ramble here, but it, it really all depends on the draws, what it comes down to if they get past Feyenoord. Yeah, I agree that it comes down to the draw. I will say just to put my conspiracy theory hat on for a half second, that Roma has often been the beneficiary of some pretty nice seating and, uh, you know, placement in these Europa League um, draws every every year or so. Like, I, I feel like part of the reason, as much as Roma has hard work to thank for consistently getting deep into competitions in Europe over the past several years, another factor is that ro- the draws have often been very kind to Roma. Uh, I don't know how intentional that is or not. I will note that Roma is on very good terms with, you know, the big wigs at the UEFA level. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Uh, I'm hopeful that if Rome was able to get through the uh, second leg against Feyenoord, though, that as you said, that things can go the right way so that Roma really has a chance to get to the semifinals, finals or better um, in the Europa League. Because as much as I do have a pretty strong level of confidence that Roma can finish the season in the top five uh, in Serie A, I'd much rather have that guarantee of Champions League football coming through winning a title uh, than I would, you know, kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that the league table plays out the way that you expect it to. Um, In addition, it would be very nice for Roma to win another trophy because, as has been said before, it happens so rarely in Rome uh, that it would be just beautiful for De Rossi to be able to put a title under his belt, even a Europa League title at some point during his managerial career. Yeah, agreed. I, I I agree. If you could somehow get the Europa League done and get the title on the way to the Champions League, like we were so close last season, that'd be the ideal way to qualify. I, I, I'd take a sixth place finish if you tell me we're going to win the Europa League uh, all day long because the trophy to me is more important and still get you in the Champions League. Um, you know, with that in mind, just, just as we wrap up here, I, looking at the table, um, you know, Roma is now four points behind Atalanta, but Atalanta still have a match hand. Atalanta are getting very hot right now. Um, Bologna, who looked like they were fading, is still four points up on Roma with the same amount of matches played. So, you know, Roma's going to have to win some big head-to-heads later this season. You know, Fiorentina's three behind. They haven't been playing well. Lazio hasn't been playing well. Napoli hasn't been playing well. 
I'm kind of hoping Roma can find a way to get some distance between themselves and those three sides and make it a three-team race for, for fourth place between themselves, Bologna, and Atalanta. Um, but Roma's going to have to win those head-to-heads, and they're going to need a little help. And I was looking at some of the calendars the next few weeks. If Atalanta is at all going to fade, it's going to come in these next five match days. I mean, Jim, listen, actually six match. Listen to their schedule over the ne- next six match days, Atalanta, who's got the, the advantage right now for fourth place. They're away to Milan, away to Inter. Um, that's the makeup match from missing the Copa Italia. So those matches take place within four days of each other. They're home for Bologna, away to Juve, home for Fiorentina, and away to Napoli over the next six match days. Like, that's brutal. Yeah. That's the kind of schedule Roma went through in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Adelante's turn to deal with that. And, uh, you know, hopefully Roma could be the beneficiary of a very tough stretch for Lade because if if they get through that winning like four of those matches, I'd be very hard-pressed to see Roma catching them um, in, in the long run because they're just going to have that gap that Roma's going to be hard to make up. Yeah, let's cross our fingers that Roma's able to seize on that pretty challenging run of matches that Atlanta will have to face. I've seen a lot of articles and tweets about how good Atlanta's form has been recently. And in all honesty, it reminds me a lot of the tweets that we've seen about Roma over the past couple of weeks. And De Rossi as a new manager, it's like you realize that they have not necessarily been playing the toughest yeah. guys in the world over the past couple month, past month or so. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think that, you know, just as other teams pounced on Roma's kind of hellish last month and a half before the new year uh, of, you know, playing top six sides consistently. Uh, I think that if Roma's able to pounce on Atalanta's tough lineup for the next month and a half, that they'll really be able to put themselves in a good position, not only in the Europa League, but in Champions League qualification for through Serie A, which would be ideal, obviously. We don't have, want to have to rely on winning a cup to get that Champions League qualification. Yeah, you mentioned before, like the 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 only match really before um, that Lazio derby in early April that is on paper a big one head to head in terms of seeding is going to be that Fiorentina match on March 9th. Um, and and that's Roma's toughest match in that stretch in terms of on paper. I mean, Torino won't be easy, et cetera. But um, some of these other teams like Fiorentina, like Lazio, like Atalanta, like Bologna have some big head to heads that Roma's going to have to take advantage of. So. We'll keep our eyes on that as we as we move forward. Of course, first things first, Feyenoord on Thursday before Torino on Monday. Um, and it's it's shaping up to be a, an exciting finish to the season with De Rossi. Uh, seemingly have turned things around for Roma. We'll see if that can continue on Thursday. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. We'll catch you guys next week, hopefully after victories over Feyenoord and Torino and, and the good times keep rolling. Thanks again for listening.